Not that we bury our head in the sand. We're in it. We're not of it. God's got a whole different way we live in the midst of this. Why? Because what God is looking for is for the people of God to be a safe place of grace that people can flee from the carnage of this world into a place where grace abounds. If given the option, would you choose a broken down scooter or a luxury dream car? Well, today, Pastor Daniel shares that this is the choice that each of us are given when it comes to the life you live. Are you willing to settle for a life that's just so-so? A mediocre version of the life that you could have? God has big plans for his people to be a safe, grace-filled place for others to run to when the savageness of this world becomes too much. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Nehemiah chapter 10. As he continues his message, Seal the Covenant. They make these deals with these these investors. At some point you sign that document and now there is a covenant relationship, a business relationship now where all of a sudden everybody has responsibilities. When an athlete signs a contract, and we do this all day long, You can be like, man, I got drafted. Until you sign the contract, you're technically not on the team. And the same thing is true with Jesus. That in order to follow Jesus, you need to first put your faith and trust in him. You know, the church, in the church we call this evangelism. Evangelism is telling the good news and inviting people to receive Jesus. Now, what's amazing is, is there's all this discussion within the church about like, well, should we give people an opportunity to receive Jesus? Here at Crossroads, we say absolutely. We don't even argue with it. But they say, well, listen, but if people give their life to Jesus at an altar call, one year later, only 10% of those people are walking with Jesus. That's what the statistics say, right? And so really what they're saying is, like, when you sign on the dotted line, that doesn't mean that you're going to be really following Jesus. Now, I think that's an important distinction, right? Because it's the same way. You can sign a marriage license and be a lousy spouse. You can sign a business contract and not follow through on it. So signing the dotted line isn't the whole story, but it is a necessary part of the story. So I remember I was reading this book by an author who I really love. I love reading, you know. And, he was, and, and the whole chapter was about how asking people to make decisions to follow Jesus doesn't make any sense because a year later, less than 10% of them were actually plugged into a church following Jesus. But then I had this thought. What percent of people who don't make a decision to follow Jesus are following him a year later? (laughs) You know what percent that is? Zero. And I'm like, so listen, I either get zero or 10%. Which one am I taking? 10% all day long. So listen, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. And that's exactly what this, this group of leaders here right? The, the Levites, the leaders, the civic leaders, the Levites and the priests, they're all, we are signing our name that we are in this covenant with the creator God to live in accordance with God's plans. And I want to encourage you to sign on the dotted line. That's in a lot of ways, that's what baptism is. Baptism is making a public declaration 
that I have put my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm here to tell you, if nobody knows that you're a Christian, you probably aren't. You hear that, right? You don't want to be an undercover MI6, Mission Impossible kind of a Christian. It makes for great movies, but like you want to live as a Christian. I remember, and I, and I say this with all love in my heart because my journey is not like always up and to the right. But I remember when I first got saved and I was struggling to get off drugs because I've been doing drugs since I was a teenager. I remember telling the people I'd buy drugs from, listen, I'm following Jesus and I don't want to do drugs anymore. And if we're friends at all, if I call you to buy drugs, please hang up on me. And I had one buddy of mine who was also a guy who had supplied me for years and years. He's like, bro, you're like my best customer. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, dude. But sure enough, you know what? I called him a couple times. He's like, Fusco, I love you, man. I'm going to hang up now. And he hung up on me. Yeah. But you know why? Because I told him, like, bro, like, I have to change this. And, and there's a beauty in making it public. Not hiding it, not taking the light and putting it under uh, in a basket, you know. It's like going public with it, saying like, I am following Jesus. And there's nothing more humbling than when someone who doesn't believe in Jesus calls you when, on you not following Jesus. But that's actually a good thing. It's a good thing when people know what you stand for and who you are. And of course, it says this, this way in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. It says, commit your ways to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. So you sign on the dot, and then you commit, you're like, Lord, Lord, I'm following you. And I love that old, that old hymn. We don't sing it anymore. Not really a hymn. It's just an old, like, simple worship song, like the, the cross before me, the world behind me. What's the next line? No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, yet I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. See, like, I realized on the day that I married my bride, Lynn, that I was committing my life to her and nobody else for the rest of my life. And there was no turning back. I was just talking to somebody about it. There's a young man. I'm like, bro, man, you needed to take all that stuff off the menu. Before you were saved, all that stuff you thought was on the menu, all it does is give you food poisoning, soul poisoning, all that stuff comes off the menu now. You got to take, it's, that is not an option for you. They discontinued that product like Taco Bell off because you're living different now and i'm here to tell you brothers and sisters if there was ever a time we need the people of god to sign on the dotted line and say this is the way i'm heading and nothing's going to deter me from it because jesus is real and all this stuff is passing away around us so it begins with signing on the dotted line but as i already said signing on the dotted line doesn't complete the whole journey now for all the people who didn't sign the covenant physically they made a decision to bind themselves to the same covenant and really what you start to be, begin to realize is that it's one thing to sign on the dotted line, but then there's a, the next step that we need to take. And I would say it to you this way, that like the children of Israel here, you and I, you need to let your life be different. You need to let your life be different. Because really what goes on here is for the people who are living there, they got together and they said, hey, we're going to walk in God's law, like, like we're going to make a decision and we're going to walk in God's law. And then they, there's all these different, you know, uh, different stipulations that we see here. These, these ways that they're separating themselves unto God as opposed to the way the world lives. And in a lot of ways, this is the struggle, the perpetual struggle 
of the life of the follower of Jesus in every generation is what does it look like for us to be different from the culture in which we live, but not isolated from it in a way that we can impact it for the cause of the kingdom. And you see here, there's all of these different ideas of how they're going to be separate. Notice there's this idea against intermarriage, that they're going to marry. Now, a lot of people struggle in our day and age, especially in our day and age where, you know, there's all these different religions and all these different things. What's the deal with that? Well, the idea is that ultimately the Bible teaches that what somebody wants from their spouse is not their spouse's love. They actually want the love of Jesus coming through their spouse. And anyone who just married for love, you realize that only gets you so far, right? Because once the novelty wears off, then real life happens. When the honeymoon is over, or, or as uh, I remember Jerry Garcia singing, the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone away. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so what, you, what I've learned is that I love my bride, but really in my marriage, it's Jesus' love that I really need. And I'm here to tell you that's what my wife really needs as well. She doesn't need my love. It's God's love mediated through me. And I'm here to tell you, somebody can't give you what they don't have. They can't give you what they don't have. And so the idea of the prohibition against intermarriage is that ultimately once the, love, once the, once the newness, the, the, the young love wears off, what you really need is Jesus' love coming through your spouse. And without that, things get messed. And don't miss, every one of our spouses, if you're married, you know this, and if you're not married, you will learn this. Your spouse exerts tremendous influence in your life. Tremendous influence. You take on the qualities of your spouse for good or for bad. The number of times I know people who love Jesus, their spouse doesn't. And how do we navigate that? Obviously, Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians all about how do we navigate some of that stuff. So right away, it's just really like, hey, listen, we're not going to intermarry. We're, we're, we're going to make sure that we're marrying people who hold the deepest, truest things that we value. Doesn't mean that we, we hate other people. We just realize marriage is challenging on its own. Right? And so you have that. You have uh, discussions here about Sabbath keeping. Now, why is Sabbath keeping important? Well, simply because Sabbath keeping existed to remind humans that we are not only human doings, we are human beings. I think it was Abraham Heschel. The, the Orthodox rabbi who said, six days we work the earth, but the seventh day our soul is for God. And the issue that we have is that we struggle to feel that will God provide for us. The Sabbath law is God says, look, you can rest and I will provide for you. But now it becomes a walk of faith. Do we trust that we can take a day off and the world will still work? You know what's an amazing thing you learn? And it was funny, my dad told me this when he retired been working in a, in a company for a long, long time. He's like, yeah. So he's like, I retired. And he's like, and I, for, I, thought, I forgot something in the office. So I came back. I retired on a Friday. He's like, I came back on a Monday. My, there was a new nameplate on the door, and all my stuff was gone. He's like, I thought, I thought they couldn't live without me. They already moved on the next business day. But what happens is we get these inflated senses of who we are. And really the Sabbath is designed to teach us that, listen, God is our source, not the amount of work that we do. It doesn't mean we don't work hard. What it means is we don't trust our work. We trust in the finished work of the Lord. So Sabbath keeping is essential. And obviously for the children of Israel, they ended up in Babylonian exile because of 70 cycles of not keeping the land Sabbath. You can read about that in the book of Jeremiah. 
So Sabbath keeping. And then, of course, the idea of the giving of the first fruits. Now, again, the giving of the first fruits, same idea. We have the same issue today that the children of Israel had thousands of years ago is that we want to trust the bottom line in our checkbook, not trust the living God who provides for people. And so the idea of giving of your first fruits, and really the idea is like God gets the first fruits of everything. Why? Because God is our source and it's all his. And if I want to tell you, like, you want to live differently than this world because like, listen, I love the fact that we live in this world. And I realize we're living in a material world and good old Madonna said that we are material girls and all that stuff. And, you know, and I like my stuff just like the next person. But here's the deal. It's like, when you give God your first fruits, you realize that all the stuff doesn't satisfy, God satisfies. And when you give God the first fruits, you order your whole life around God's provision, not just the mindless accumulation of things. Like, I laugh in our community here. I see so many, uh, so many self-storage places going up. <laughs> I told my kids, I'm like, if we ever rent a self-storage we had to throw everything in the self-storage out. Now, don't get, I get sometimes, like, you have a loved one who passed away, they have all this stuff, and, you, you know, I, I get there's some of that stuff. But by and large, listen, if your stuff don't fit in your house, you got too much stuff. Plain and simple. You know, and, and like, I remember when Linda and I moved up here to Vancouver, Washington, we, we were moving into a townhouse before we found, like, where we were going to live, you know, and we, and we unpacked only the essential things. And so we had like a line of boxes in the, in the garage. And I remember when we found our house and we moved in, know what we did with all those boxes? We threw it all out. Like if we haven't needed it this far, why do we need it? You know, and, and so this idea of giving God the first fruits, you're saying, God, it's all yours. I'm honoring you with my possessions. And then you start ordering the rest of your life around it. And you start saying to yourself, I don't want to be in debt. I don't want to, I don't want to be weighed down by all this stuff, you know? And, and, and our culture is grabbing hold of this. I mean, you have like minimalism is a big concept that people are talking about that's always been in our Bibles, you know, uh, keeping things neat because, you know, uh, all this stuff makes you feel kind of, uh, you know, there's Marie Kundu, you know, she taught, she taught everyone how to, how to fold their clothes so that you're, you open your drawers and you feel wonderful or whatever, you know? But it's like, but we live in a weird world, but all this stuff is in the scriptures, I always tell people, you want to be different, give of the first fruits to the Lord. You want to be different, practice Sabbath, not as a law, but like, like the best thing for you all is for me to realize that Crossroads doesn't run on Fusco. I'm here to tell you, your company doesn't run on you. It runs on the power of God, and God uses people. You know, I'm here to tell you, parents, you're, you are responsible for your kids, but God's work in your kids is God's work. He will use you. That's why it's always so hard. You know, as you have teenage kids. Everyone knows I'm going through that right now. Like, what is the proper amount of coaching, friendship, parenting as you have a teenager? Why? Because teenagers, puberty is designed by God and by nature for your older kids to leave the house and make their own family. That's a good thing. Like, all the teenagers are looking at their parents right now. They're like, Yes. Pusco knows what's going down, right? But there is a balance there because you teenagers, as long as you're still in mom and dad's house, guess what? You don't have your own family. You don't have your own house. You're still responsible for them. And it's this delicate balance, right? But in, in the midst of all of it, God is trying to teach all of us 
How do we live in this world and not be of it? How can we shine a light into a world full of darkness but not get shady in the process? And of course, the Apostle Paul said it this way, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, he's saying, listen, you set yourself apart in Jesus. And you don't be, you're not being conformed. You're not, you're not being shaped into this world, but you're letting the Lord transform your mind. He wants to renew our minds. He wants us to think heavenly thoughts, godly thoughts, glorifying thoughts. And then as this not conformity to the world, but our transformation in the renewing of our mind, then our lives begin to prove out God's will because all of a sudden people are looking at your life and they're like, I don't understand why you're not stressed out over money. Well, listen, I give the Lord the first fruits and I've ordered my life around that and I trust him. Right? So I was like, I, I don't understand why you're not just all like, you know, you're resting. I mean, like, you, like, you, like you're sitting there drinking iced tea and you're, and you're not like freaking out about the stock market. You're like, well, listen, like, I can trust God with my finances. I can trust God with my vocation. And in a world that is anxiety-laden, the people of God who have rest in Jesus, not only do we stick out like a sore thumb, we're a city set on a hill that everyone should want to be like. But once you sign on the dotted line, then you have to let your life be different. And I believe for all of us, God is calling all of us to be different than this world. I find myself so saddened that the people of God is willing to be a pawn in American garbage. I'm like, man, God's got something so much better for us than all this nonsense. Not that we bury our head in the sand. We're in it. We're not of it. God's got a whole different way we live in the midst of this. Why? Because what God is looking for is for the people of God to be a safe place of grace, that people could flee from the carnage of this world into a place where grace abounds, where mercy abounds, where love abounds. I know when I came to Jesus, I was running from the calamity of the world in which I lived, that I had become a complete and total conformed carbon copy of. And when I ran into the arms of Jesus, because Jesus invited me, I found nurture and care and people who were looking out for me and people who were gracious and kind and patient. I mean, can you imagine how patient had to be, had to be with me when I first got saved? I mean, you guys are patient with me now. Like, imagine me a new Christian, a grown-up man boy. Like, bad, it was bad. But God... And brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you, let your life be different. Let Jesus transform you by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. You come and you present your life as a living sight. You're like, Lord, Lord, my life is an offering. And then you allow the Lord to do his work. And he's going to lead you. I mean, there's things that I do today. I would if you would have told me the first six months of following you, man, listen, in 23 years, you're going to be doing that. I'd be like, What? but you just take the next step. 
And listen, for all of us, no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or if today's the day you're going to put your faith and trust in him, listen, God wants to transform your life. I always say, God is not a God of affirmation, like where God pats you on the head for being you today. You're so awesome and, and gives you a cookie and pushes you on. God is a God of transformation. He accepts you where you are, and he loves you way too much to leave you like this. So we have to let him do what he wants to do. Let him lead. Let him set you apart. Let him make you different. Whatever he's convicting you on, which is God's way of lovingly disciplining you. Right? He convicts you by his spirit. And our job is to say, oh, sorry, Lord, we do a work here. Take the step. And what's amazing about the Lord is it is a walk of faith. It's the next step in the journey. But in a lot of ways, you can't take the next step in the journey until you take the step that he's asking you to take right now. Like there is a sequence to the way God works. And I love this because the children of Israel are like, man, we are gonna, we're signing on the dotted line, but we're actually going to be set apart. We're going to let God, so that God could do what he wants to do. And so... So what you see, now that the walls are built, now it's time to inhabit Jerusalem. It would make sense with the walls broken down. People didn't want to live in Jerusalem because of the vulnerability. And so notice it began, chapter 11 began with a tithe of the people were moving into Jerusalem. How cool is that? A tenth of the people lived in Jerusalem. So that's that idea of the tithe again. So there's a first fruits of the people who are going into Jerusalem. And then you get all these lists of who's living in Jerusalem, who's not living in the different surrounding towns. And you might say to yourself, well, why is this important? Well, simply because it's a reminder that we need to dwell with the people of God. Like, every time I read these long lists of names in the Bible, I'm always reminded, like, these are... People, living souls, people who God is working in and through their lives. And I love this idea that we need to dwell with the people of God because we live in a day and age where people don't have a lot of, you know, church attendance, quote unquote, is supposedly not doing great. We're not having that problem here. But I realize that for many of you, you come to Crossroads, but you're really not in community. I'm here to tell you, I love gathering on Sundays. But it's only one part of what God wants to do in your life. We saw the, the video on, uh, you know, that uh, community group in Newburgh, Oregon. We have right now, we have some 30 to 50 people in Hood River, Oregon. They're Crossroads Online, but they're doing life together. It's why here at Crossroads, we love that you guys, we always want you to be in groups. Why? Because when you dwell in the community of people, that's where transformation happens. It's where we move from, I made a decision to follow Jesus, to how do I live this thing out in real time? Like even right now, there's many people you're watching right now, maybe you're local to us here in the Portland, Vancouver metro area, and you're online. You haven't been in fellowship with other believers in 15 months. I'm here to tell you, that's not a good thing. It's time. I meet people every week, like, man, I'm finally back at church. I miss this place. I need to be here. Jesus is real. Do you want your life to change? Do you long to see God's plans for you come to fruition? Well, you learned today that transformation happens when you get involved with other people. You need community to thrive. This is when lives are changed. Pastor Daniel shared that community is where you learn to walk out what you're learning about on Sundays. You see, God's vision is that your individual salvation opens up into communal relationships that ripple out and bless all of your lives. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, 
And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel will look at what the book of Nehemiah has to say about what life is really like at street level. He'll talk about the hard work it takes to grow and change and then the equally difficult work that's required to maintain that growth. This message will give you insight into how to stay the course. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Honest. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.